We haven't entirely nailed down what element it is yet, but I'll tell you this, it's a lively one. Let's give your parents a call right now. Hello! Welcome to episode number eight of Gaming with the Moms. My name is Nicole Tanner. I am managing editor at Pixelkin.org and the mom of a three-year-old. I am joined, as always, by fabulous fellow mom, Linda Brenneman, beautiful Hi. and talented non-mom, Simone de Rochefort. <laughs> and I didn't mean to say that sarcastically, but that's how it came out. <laughs> and our guest today is Matthew Johnson. He is an audio innovation director at Microsoft and also yeah, a yeah. dad. Thanks yes. for being here. Also not a mom. Yes. <laughs> we love having the dads on. But also beautiful and talented. Of yes. course. Of course. Yes. That's how I, I look in the mirror every morning and say that to myself. <laughs> nice. <laughs> With as, tears as you streaming yeah. down your cheeks. That's what I do. I cry and I say, <laughs> you're so beautiful, Simone. You're so talented. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. All right, so we're going to start things off with some news, the first of which being Simone was right. I was right about Skylander Superchargers. Uh, I did not – we heard this right before we came down to record the podcast. Yeah. So they did confirm that there will be vehicles in Skylander Superchargers. Did you actually read about that or is it just, just like saw, Simone was right? I saw the headline that says Skylander Superchargers adds vehicles to the mix and I'm like, oh. I don't need to I'm read pumped. anything else. Yeah. Simone we is know. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving on from that, sort of related to Skylanders a little bit, Disney announced Playmation, which mm. is this really cool new uh, tech thing that involves uh, toys that you can like wear and it makes you like get outside and mm-hmm. re- reenact like, you know, battles between <laughs> Iron, Mo- Iron Man and Ultratron or Ulver, whatever his name is. <laughs> did I, you even watch the Avengers? I did not see the most recent movie. I have a three-year-old. I, I that's that's Fair my enough. that's my Fair excuse enough. for everything. These toys are really interesting. They yeah. have the ones I saw were um, basically they have an Iron Man arm gauntlet that makes all these noises like it. It'll make the charging up and firing the energy beam, whatever he does. I don't. Sorry, I don't know exactly what substance Iron Man fires from his palms. Yeah, um, you're making fun of me. Oh, for not hush. Knowing- <laughs> <laughs> I watched a whole video about this. Um, and then they also have Hulk hands, I think, that they're, that you that kids can wear. So basically the idea is that these are wearables, but for kids. And they have this whole kind of interactive storyline that you play out while wearing these toys, um, fighting against villains from the Marvel superheroes universe. So this is pretty intense. I mean, to me, just thinking of the design challenges of building a wearable toy for a kid that won't be destroyed, that yes. they can take outside, they could play inside or outside. The, yeah. They show them playing with these toys. So, yeah. I don't I don't even know where to start with this. Well, it says eventually there's going to be Star Wars stuff, too. Oh, yeah. of course there will so be. that's pretty awesome. Did yeah. you guys watch the video? I did. I watched a little yeah. bit of it. I, I watched it. It was so interesting how shooting-centric that was, that video was. Mm, and yeah. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that in the future, maybe when they do the Frozen one, they'll have other styles of play other than just shooting at things. Yeah, I want to see, uh, like, casting magic spells as Elsa would be really right, cool to do. Right. So what they showed in the video was like the little girl wearing the Iron Man arm gauntlet and she's shooting at the enemy figurine which is on this base. And yeah, I guess when don't... eventually you do enough damage, the figurine will pop off the base and fall mm-hmm. over and it's like, yeah, you won. 
Um, they don't shoot at each other. They don't shoot at each other. Kudos for having a girl in that video, though. It was yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> it was really unclear to me, like, what the gameplay was. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm super interested in the idea, too. But I'm also, like, really hesitant to invest in a whole bunch of more plastic stuff that right. I have to like, mm-hmm. either keep around or eventually throw into the landfill. And so I think the challenge for them right now, and obviously this is the first announcement, but the challenge yeah. for them right now is to just sort of, like, put the value proposition out there for... Right parents especially and one interesting thing too about like stuff for kids and Mm -hmm. when you're designing a game for kids is um you know uh is is understanding that the true customer is actually the parent and one of the interesting things Mm -hmm. i did see in the video that i thought was like a little bit uh sort of a pause moment for me as a parent and as a consumer of many many plastic game related (laughs) items yeah is that um is that they're really noisy and so one yeah. thing that I always did when I was uh, making the game that, that I ant- anticipated kids to be playing was um, I would always consider the passive participant in the experience. Mm-hmm. So like I always imagine um, like this is before even I had a kid, right? Uh, and I would imagine mom is in the kitchen or in the bedroom doing something else and the kid is playing the game. And the kid is either, uh, and the game is making a lot of noise while the kid is playing it. Or my favorite example is when they push pause on the game and sort of walk away, and the pause music just right. keeps playing. Oh my gosh, oh. yes. So this, and I put myself in the mind of the mom, and I'm like, mom is thinking right now, I will never, ever buy that game again, or I would never buy that franchise again, or whatever. Right. And so as you design something for kids, you think a lot about like, okay, what are the parents going to think about this? And what is their experience going to be as somebody who's not playing the game? Yeah. Right. And I thought those videos really showed a lot of noise coming out of those <laughs> things. <laughs> and they're really irritating. Yeah. So I hope, I hope somehow there's like interesting enough gameplay to where uh, that stuff becomes less of an issue. If there are actually game-like quests in the somehow, mm-hmm. they don't they didn't really show how that works. But it was very vague. It was a yeah. lot of kids, and I, I understand that for kids, I mean, their their imaginations are so powerful. So they were running around and like dodging over beds and rolling behind cover and stuff. It's unclear how much of that is actually the child's imagination and how much of it is that strategic um with regards to the game that they're playing so yeah right yeah we'll see but but we we can't forget about that market my brother and i had going when um we both started having kids was you give your uh nieces and nephews the noisiest toy you can (gasps) at christmas time (laughs) and then next year they get you back and give you even a noisier toy so the question is this was 117 dollars to start with would that oh no that's too expensive yeah Yeah, (laughs) that's too expensive for that yeah, I don't know. That don't really one hundred and seventeen. Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh, Which is for yeah. me a setback. Although I'm not a parent, so no, that's a lot for yeah. a plastic toy. I mean, if it's not really that much more than a plastic ray gun that fits around your Basically. arm, yeah, then I don't know. I'd, I'd think twice about one hundred and seventeen dollars. Well, yeah. you, you all mentioned the Skylanders, and I think like you know, there's Amiibo, there's the Disney uh, yeah. stuff. What's it called? Infinity. Infinity Disney, stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think what's what's really interesting for me is because because I um, have an eight year old who's has this sort of insatiable appetite for those types of things, but then cruises through it really fast if it's not if it doesn't have like any depth to it. Right. Um, you know, that there's, there, there again is that passive experience that I have as a parent, as a consumer where I'm just sort of like, Hey, I bought that stuff and you don't play with it anymore. I'm just note to self. Don't buy that right. stuff again. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
it, it's interesting that um, so far, I mean, there isn't a lot of information about this new stuff yet, but even just the Skylanders, like, okay, you added vehicles. Like, I think I need more than that as a parent and as a consumer. I need to know more about gameplay and I need to see that there is some sort of, uh, when I make an investment in this stuff, there's something behind it mm-hmm. and it's not just so that you can sell me more items, right? So as a parent, do you think we're reaching a Skylanders bubble almost? I mean, it, it's been pretty big for a couple of years now. Do you think we're reaching a point where parents are going to be like, why is there another one? Why is there more stuff? I, I can certainly just speak for myself as yeah. a consumer and just say like, I stopped investing in that stuff when my son stopped using it. And that yeah, was quite okay. a while ago. Right. Mm, yeah. And we didn't go, we didn't go to the infinity route. Um, and you know, a lot, I have to admit that I'm sort of like when we're at the store or when we're having the conversation about like what this new stuff's coming out. And, and believe me, this conversation is had about every new thing that comes out. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And he can, and like, it's really crazy how much, um, I know unboxing videos are, are really popular, but like he watches every, he doesn't watch those, but he watches every sort of game related YouTube. Right. Um, he watches the Nintendo directs, he yeah. watches yeah. all that stuff. And so I often hear about these things from him first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, and the conversation with him, which he's getting really good at having with me is like, okay, let's think about the stuff that we've bought like this before. Let's think about whether or not we still use that. Let's think about what we did with it when we were done with it. Like, what happens to this stuff? Does it just, is it just go away? Like, do we pass it on? Well, and, and those, that value proposition and that thinking is really factoring into his, um, his own process now. So now b- before he comes to me to start talking about whether or not we're going to get something, he's mm-hmm. already thought through some of wow. this stuff. Nice. Wow. And he, and he often doesn't ask me about things because he's already thought through it and just kind of like goes, well, we're not going to, this is going to die on the vine basically. <laughs> wow. That's some good that parenting awesome. on your yeah. part. Very good. Very perceptive child too. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So we'll see how yeah. the playmation, it seems like Disney and Activision are kind of like, they just keep reaching and reaching and reaching. Prices yeah. have gotten more expensive, more expensive, more expensive. And I don't know. It seems like they're trying to mm-hmm. just see where people's limit is as and far as what they can charge. about this to me, especially with the Marvel Disney stuff for Playmation, it's figurines that we already have for Disney Infinity, like right. Captain America. We already have a Captain America figurine, near-field communication, smart toy, etc. They're making another one for another game. That seems to me like it's going to be a limitation then again, I had 10,000 horse figurines as a child. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't stop me. Yeah, but... I had all the Care Bears too. So Nice. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I want to be optimistic as usual, but th- this seems, I, it seems like they're experimenting, but it also seems like they're really saturating the market, especially mm. when it comes to Marvel toys. Yes. Well, from going to the digital kids uh, conference yeah. last year, the smart toy thing is just huge and the toy companies are all pushing that forward and trying to figure out what the next big smart toy thing is the thing that combines computers and physical play because people are concerned about screen time yeah and trying to get the kids away from a screen and out into the world more and so they're just trying all different things and seeing what sticks i think yeah in that context this makes a lot of sense because there is no screen it's just toy yeah, I, I like so. your I like your question though, and I think maybe this is maybe for a future discussion or some the ongoing thing that you guys touch on all the time. But yeah. it's like, at what point is that saturation point reached? And mm-hmm. like, you know, is mm-hmm. it just sort of like, are we going to be standing around and just being like, wait, I just bought a stick with a chip in it, and, it, <laughs> and it's just like the stick without the chip in it, and I already had yeah. that stick. <laughs> like, I wonder when that's going to happen. because yeah. yeah. to your to your earlier point as well. Like some of these figurines or these these um, 
pieces of plastic, they really, when you're done kind of doing what they're designed to do, depending Mm -hmm. on how deeply they've been designed, they end up just kind of being like an action figure that has no use. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just sort of like the stick, right? It's, I mean, it could be a stick, and I yeah. could have just gotten a rock or painted a face on it and just been like, this is your new friend, rock, pet rock. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and like, I love, as a kid, I loved action figures, I, or like dolls, I guess, or whatever. Not dolls, but um, figurines you of still Disney love characters. Them, Simone, it's true. I still love figurines. <laughs> but I would definitely have all these figurines of like, dogs, rubber dogs, or whatever. And I would collect all the breeds, and I would play these imaginary games with them. But Again, we we run into that problem of like you don't want duplicates. You want to have a unique one of each one. So I mean, that's mm-hmm. where this if Disney Infinity is already something that a lot of people have. I don't see parents really investing in another one that looks Plus to them more to be the same thing. Yeah, right? yeah. I what I wonder is where is the smart toy market for lower income families mm. who are seeing these huge starter packages like you have with Disney Infinity and with Playmation that cost, you know, upwards of 60 bucks to 100 bucks yeah. to get started with it. Yeah. And, you know, it just keeps going from there. Where is – I feel like there is a market for lower-income families with smart toys, but I don't know where that is yet. So that's what I'm interested in. Hmm. Yeah. What about Amiibo? What do you, what do you guys uh, think about that? I they're, think they're a lot yeah. less functional than the Skylanders Disney Infinity things. Yeah. Although we were just talking about this upstairs before we came down to record, is that we think that Nintendo is kind of holding out, and then when they release the next Pokemon, that's when it's really going to take yeah. off, and <laughs> there will be one for each Pokemon, and yeah. You know, I, mm-hmm. that is a good point. I think that might be that like single collector aspect of it, where you want like one of each. Um, that might do it, because... The Amiibo, I think, definitely don't have a lot of function within Nintendo games. Like, they they have function, but it's not very deep, meaningful interaction. But if you're collecting, like, every Pokemon that you have in your game, that that could really be something, a small investment that pays off for a kid. Not for a parent who has to deal with hundreds of figurines. (laughs) Yeah. But, (laughs) Well, some parents buy hundreds of figurines for themselves, you know. It sort of comes like I have a ton of stuffed Talking animals. To future Simone. <laughs> that I bought like, you know, four years ago, just before yeah. Anna was born and you know, it happens. <laughs> Now I I try to pass them on to her, but you know we're. I was joking about this with my friend the other day. I, I'm collecting these anime figurines, and we're joking. If I ever have a kid, mommy, can I play with it? No, those are mommy's figurines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten that way Don't with Anna yet. So um, okay. So well. we were talking about lots of market type stuff. So this was an interesting story story to me because I buy crap loads of stuff off Think Geek. GameStop has bought Think Geek. I personally don't like giving money to GameStop because I think they make all their profit off um, used games, which um, can be a a very um, splitting issue among developers. Um, But anyhow, so they bought Think Geek uh, for a lot of money and actually... Hot, Hot Topic was trying to buy them too. And yeah. GameSpot wanted Think Geek so bad that not only did they top Hot Topic's price, they also paid Hot Topic <laughs> to stop going after this. So, um, so hmm. to me, this says GameStop is starting to realize we cannot sell box retail games for forever. So we have hey. to have new ways to make money. That's just me, though. What do you guys think? 
I feel. Oh, go on. <laughs> I it's, I haven't been in a shopping mall for I think like a decade. Yeah, since, Lucky since I worked you. in one. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you're blessed. <laughs> um, but I I think um, on one hand, uh, like I I really like uh, I live in West Seattle. I really like going to my local record store, and a big part of the reason why I live in that community is because there's a bunch of small independent retailers within right. walking distance of my house, and I have like ongoing relationships with these businesses mm-hmm. and I feel really good about patronizing them. And, um, you know, there's a gigantic, uh, local business that, uh, also sends things to you in the mail and via drone and whatnot. Yeah. And I've, I certainly utilize that service as well. But I think, um, when it comes to, you know, brick and mortar, I, I do feel like there's a, there's a service there and there's a role that those businesses play that you just don't get over the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, uh, I got that from uh, GameStop when I when I used to go there or whatever. Yeah. But I do think that um, I think about you know if everything's de- delivered digitally, which is certainly a, that ship has sailed. Yeah. Um, I do wonder like, um, is there a role or is there some sort of a business that supports that kind of community aspect of like going to you know there's a business here in Seattle called Pink Gorilla. And and there was one in West Seattle. I mean, my, me and my son used to like have a great time on Saturdays, going to Pink yeah. Gorilla, mm-hmm. hanging out, playing, playing the games, and the the people who worked there would just totally engage my son in all these conversations about stuff that I I'm already tired of talking about. <laughs> right. And, Can you uh, explain for our non-Seattle listeners what Pink Gorilla? Yeah, is? it's it's like a great little local game store that sells a, a, a an amalgamation of of vintage and and current games, and they're knowledgeable. They have stuff in there that you can get your hands on. You can play. There's always mm-hmm. like an NES or something up and running. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think like you know probably most towns have something like this you yeah. know and I think everybody can nod their head and go oh yeah that place that place is really great to go into when mm-hmm. I get in there and mm-hmm. it's awesome but probably when I just need the latest copy of Game X I probably just get it online yeah. you know mm-hmm. and so as far as like an industry in a way that it evolves I think that um, you know uh, business, big businesses especially tend to focus just on revenue and, and yeah. all these numbers I think like for me as a more of a designer and somebody who is less in the business realm, I think more about like what is the experience for the customer and, and that experience needs to extend to like the the experience that they have before they get the product, right? And like yeah. how they how they engage with the brand and how they engage with all the games that you work on. And uh, I think those retail uh, outlets are a huge part of that, right? And yeah. so those people are that work in there, they're fans of, of your games, they're fans of the industry and they're there, they're sort of evangelizing and advocating for the things that you do. Um, and so I miss that, and, yeah. and mm-hmm. I wish that I had like a really great, cool, uh, independent game store in my neighborhood, right next to my cool independent record store, so right, that we can yeah. just go up there and get some records and get some games and have a great afternoon. Yeah, yeah I mean that's admirable, I think. But but I think with ThinkGeek, I'm wondering if what they're really getting, what GameStop is getting, is that um, the licensing of the mm-hmm. actual game characters, because you know you can't get something with Mario on your t-shirt unless you have a license, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hot Topic, I think, has the Mario license. Thinking has like Star Trek and some of the more like non-game geeky stuff. They do have Portal stuff on there, though. Right. There is some game stuff. There is some, yeah. Yeah. But I'm I'm wondering if that's kind of why they bought it, so they can get that license merchandise Maybe. Well, yeah, especially if they're looking at other properties that might not be licensed for... Um, clothing yet um, and they can say we have Think Geek we have this whole market that we can sell it to so 
yeah. give us this license. We deserve it, or we can do something with it that's exciting. I'm glad that Hot Topic didn't get it, even GameStop, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Hot Topic has had issues with art theft before, um, stealing uh. art from independent artists. So that's really scummy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just interesting. It's just really interesting to me. I if I think that this is the only time GameStop has bought anything yeah. that's not you know specifically game 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 related. Right. Like this is a yeah. peril company, which makes me think. They're really evaluating different revenue streams beyond selling just the games. So have have you all been in the GameStop recently? Have I know. <laughs> so is there a noticeable shift in the inventory? Are they taking on more and more physical products and non non game re- not not game related but non game products? I have no idea, but what it makes me think of is um, the fact that a lot of gaming news sites are also now doing just general entertainment news. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's a parallel there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, well, thinking they do, they do sorry. offer a lot of headsets and accessories, yeah, yeah. and now, um, you know, secondhand, a lot of secondhand games yeah. and consoles, old consoles and. All that kind of stuff. So yeah, ThinkGeek though has always been online. Like there's never been a brick and mortar version of it. Right. So it would be interesting to see if they start to put some of that stuff yeah. in their stores for sure. That's what it seems like to me. To me, it seems like they're they're looking for new inventory categories. Yeah. yeah. And ThinkGeek has and and also ThinkGeek has has done a really great job with um, actually executing on new product development. Right? Yes, yeah. And they they do it in an interesting way, which is that they gauge interest by making jokes about things. Right. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. then if it's popular as yeah. a joke, then they actually make it. Like yeah. this is actually people don't really give them enough credit for doing that. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And so um so I mean, I, I think that's a valuable investment right there. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And and I think I'm sure it's partly the gift market. Like as a parent who's gone into a GameStop looking for something to get my kid for Christmas, you know, looking for advice about that. If you've got other merchandise mm-hmm. that you can also buy at yeah. that, you know, point yeah. of sale. Yeah. Something that a parent would more readily understand without right. being engaged yeah. and like, what is this technology? What is this game? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Right. It's like, oh, a portal shirt. That I understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving along to next news. So Steam is now offering refunds for games that are purchased online. And this has sort of a double-edged sword here. (laughs) Uh, It's great that consumers can get refunds for their games, like if they're broken or whatever. They couldn't really do that before. But some of the indie game developers um, who make short games, Mm -hmm. uh, theoretically, someone could buy the game, play through the entire thing, and actually enjoy it, and then just return it to get a refund for it. Yeah, that would be too bad. yeah. guarantee you hopefully within the next week they will because what their policy is right now for refunds and i'm not clear if it's active yet or if it's been proposed but the policy is that if you've played like under two hours and decide you don't like it you can get a refund i guarantee you they're going to change it to something like if you've played less than 50 yeah. percent of the game because they, they do have completion rates on um or no i guess they just have hours on steam I'm, i might be mixing that up with something else but I think the announcement yeah. talked about hours. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. certain that I mean, lots of indie so much just, talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Hit Twitter and hit yeah. Facebook saying like, my game's only an hour and a half. Like, yeah. What know? are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's very unfair for small independent developers. Yeah. But that's a totally fixable problem. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think the big, the bigger, more important issue is that this is a really consumer friendly move. Right. This is great. I mean, it, it, you're right. It's better for probably 
valve in the consumer that it is for game developers. Yeah. But like in the short term, and if you're very short sighted about it, maybe that's true. But in the long term, if you're a game developer, I think you have to be concerned about the wealth the health of the industry yes. and about like a great consumer experience for everyone. And cause then they're going to come back and they're going to buy more and more games. And that right, means right. they're going to sell yes. more and more games. Yes. And so, um, you know, this is just something that every other retail outlet does. And the ones that do it really well, those are the ones that people go back to over and over again because right, they feel right. like they have a really great, respectful relationship with that retailer. And yeah, so yeah. this, I think this is a great evolution for, um, for steam and for, for just like it's a win for the consumer because yeah. those the and you know the people who are going to try to cheat the system they're they're it's a minority I think yeah. Yeah. most people are just going to be like hey um, you know it, it broke or whatever yeah. Yeah. yeah or honestly maybe not even have the energy to go through that refund process I mean right. there yeah are so many customers or so many games that I played where I've been like Ugh, that's whatever but. I'm not I don't have the time or energy to actually ask for a refund so I bet a lot of people won't even take advantage of it but it is nice to know that it is there so yeah and to, to your point too yeah. like you're more compelled to buy things when you know you can return them hey. but what you're saying is and then I might just be too lazy to actually return it but the the time that 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 value proposition and that decision is important is when you buy it exactly yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> Um, so some other news that um, is very relevant to parents. Um, this isn't so much game related. So the Supreme Court was hearing a case um, about a guy who posted kind of really vicious um, threats to his ex-wife on Facebook. Um, he was convicted for it and then it made its way through the court system, you know, that blah, 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 appeals, 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 appeals. So it went all the way up to the Supreme Court and they threw out his conviction um, and the reason that they said that is because the original jury was instructed to um, to just base, the, base their decision on whether or not a reasonable person would find what he written a threat, which does not take into account his state of mind or mm-hmm. his intent. And that's what they said was wrong. But at the same time, they didn't really say anything about threats on Facebook and how you can prosecute them, yeah. which is – kind of weird and the one of the justices actually said you know this what happened here was wrong because it does not leave a blueprint for other courts to follow in future cases it just leaves questions and the supreme court isn't supposed to leave questions they're supposed to answer specifically that's clarence thomas that simone was talking about he said the (laughs) the supreme court's job is to decide questions not create them i was almost right on with that yeah um so yeah you know facebook you know, online bullying is a big problem mm-hmm. for lots of parents. And this just kind of, Honestly, who knows the, the what to do. The way that I see it, I, and I don't know why we don't treat it this way, if I am in another room of our office, for example, and I'm saying, oh, my God, Nicole is the worst. I just want to, <laughs> I don't know, insert violent threat here. I would never say that. Yeah. That would be I something don't know. where really <laughs> <laughs> This is probably Courtney talking about me in the other room. But no, like <laughs> someone overhearing that would be like, "Oh my god, what's wrong with this girl? There's clearly a problem between them. Like yeah. why is why is she saying these horrible things about Nicole who is an angel?" <laughs> and but but if it's on Facebook, then it becomes almost a non-issue. Like yeah, this it's... is what I don't understand. Like if you're saying that, it's you as a person saying those threats it doesn't matter what medium you're saying yeah. them in. it doesn't matter like what it matters who that, that you have been like heard making threats yeah that's what yeah. matters 
Yeah, and the guy actually um, said that writing this stuff out was therapeutic for him. And Simone and I were just talking about this upstairs. <laughs> I'm like, if you need therapy, write your stuff down in a notebook. Like, oh my don't God, just yeah. like scream it at your ex wife on Facebook. You know, it's just don't make a fake account and like actually make threats yeah. towards her. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. No. Yeah. yeah. I, I think um, I read up a little bit on this too, and there's a there's a lawyer who has a blog at popehat.com who explained this pretty well. I think that this particular case is actually a lot narrower than it sounds. Um, it, it was a problem with the jury instructions in this particular mm-hmm. case. And mm-hmm. so the case will be retried and hopefully those sub- substantive issues will be dealt yeah. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I, I just can't imagine there isn't going to be a huge groundswell after what, people are going through with all these threats on Twitter and Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, We just can't let this go on. I mean, it's just, it drives people out of their homes. Yes. Um, People really are terrified. It's not fake. It's real. It's it's real scary stuff. Presumably the people that are all terrified are reasonable people. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Responding to threats. I mean, when, when somebody threatens you with very specific bodily harm yeah. and then makes a YouTube video of himself coming at you yeah. with, yeah. you know, I don't know, weaponry or whatever. Um, why can't we take that seriously yeah. as a mm-hmm. as a threat? I don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to this, Matthew? <laughs> yeah. I, it just terrifies me too. Um, and I think it's it, – the problem that I have with it is – just sort of it's really hard to think through what a um kind of practical implementable like way to fix this would yeah. be. Mm-hmm. the solution is very very elusive right yes. and i think about um i mean i've been bullied on the internet before and i'm 44 yes. you know it was some time ago it was 10 years ago but we were all adults and yeah. people were just sort of like slandering me and making me feel really uncomfortable and threatening me and stuff on and uh, i think and and that really like infected my whole kind of way i, I didn't get death threats but i, I yeah. it really affected me deeply for a long period mm-hmm. of time i think at some point everybody will be affected by this and I don't know if that's the thing that tips it over the scales and gets people more taking it more seriously. But I think that what's interesting is you've got pe- people now have the ability, every single person with a very low barrier of entry have the ability to get whatever hateful message they want out and directly to the person that they yes. want to give it to. You yeah. used to be able to like, you know, um, the classic case of like when I went home from, from school and told my mom I was being bullied – the thing my mom said to me every single time was, "Is like avoid that person." Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, now you can't avoid them. Yeah. Right. It's really hard, and the, and so it's like this sort of digital stalking pursue pursuit piece of this is is really concerning and and hard to figure out how you get away from those types yeah. of people if you mm-hmm. don't have a legal system to back you up right. so that you can actually say like, "Hey, here's the threat." See, here's the threat. Yeah. <laughs> now, now do the thing that you do every time somebody brings the threat in. Yes. Like, yeah. what, like, can we put the law into effect now? Yeah. And I'm really curious about yeah. like where the legislation is that says, okay, if you get threat, you know, just pass through the gates. It's very pragmatic and very objective. It's like, boom, boom, boom. You do this, you do this, you do this. Death threat one, death threat two, death threat three. Then the police come to your house and then you get put away or yeah. you go to court or whatever. Well, yeah. I hope that's what happens. I hope they figure out procedures because we do know that these kinds – Certain kinds of threats are illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, they that is 
it's either illegal or not, and certain kinds of threats are illegal. But um, dealing with the anonymity um, and other factors that are happening just because it's on the internet. It's impossible to have an online restraining order, basically. Exactly, right. So I think those kind of things have to be dealt with and put into some kind of bureaucratic process that does get, you know, done every time someone runs into this. Because if they don't start consistently... Um, enforcing the law on this, yeah. it's just going to continue. The the, yeah. the other thing that I'm noticing too is that the whatever the structural kind of power base um, is. I don't want to get it too like gender politically charged here, but we know who those people are. We know what the court system is comprised of. We know mm-hmm. who politicians are, right? So the people who have the greatest uh, potential to make a change here also probably don't value things like being driven out of the industry of choice as like a serious thing. It's like, oh, you don't want to be a game developer anymore because you're tired of getting death threats? Well, gee, I'm sorry, you have to find a new job. I'm not going to make a law for you, right? Right. And I think like having like um, women driven out of the game industry because of something like this is awful, right? And Mm so um, it's super serious and it should be taken very, very seriously. And and so I'm hoping, and I know this was brought up in a lot of the conversations, um, you know, a year ago, I'm hoping that something really, really terrible doesn't have to happen first before people start to take take it seriously. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. But it's a worry. Mm. Yes. Okay, so we're not going to keep the whole show negative, I promise. (laughs) We didn't bring Matthew on so that we could be negative about stuff. Matthew has been in the industry a very, very long time. Well. Oh, okay. I don't want to make you sound that old. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's my job. (laughs) So, um, but he's worked at lots of places. Um, For us as moms and women, PopCap. It's mm-hmm. a pretty interesting place to have worked with. I'm sure anybody mm-hmm. who listens to this has played a PopCap game. And if you haven't, then you've been living, I don't know, on a deserted island. <laughs> so PopCap makes Plants vs. Zombies, Peggle, Bejeweled, like all kinds of great games. So what was it like to work at PopCap? Um, it was great. Uh, so I came from Microsoft Game Studios where I had been for 10 years making things like simulations. Like if you remember – probably don't the early microsoft game business was um two or three simulators and like a collection of old school arcade games you know (laughs) that all ran in windows flight simulator i remember yeah yeah worked on several of those and then um and then you know the xbox was born and um, a whole bunch of great console games came out of that Still very, I mean, this is the console business of the 90s and early 2000s. Mm, Still very aimed at sort of the young teenage male audience. Yeah. And um, after 10 years of like hardcore simulations and then games for this sort of classic core gamer audience, I just felt like I wanted to, um, in in one way, I wanted to broaden my own sort of career um, possibilities. Mm -hmm. But in the other way, I just felt like... You know, I wanted to reach a bigger audience. I wanted to make games for people like my mom and yeah. for, mm-hmm. and games that like because I would always you know share my work with them, but they yeah. would just sort of try to be interested yeah. in it. Oh, <laughs> you know, games for your mom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so nice. It's so funny because right, that's hilarious. <laughs> but then that's what I ended up doing, right? So yeah, then, uh, yeah so then then. Um, 
I got, I was doing my own thing for a while and then I got tricked into a job interview at PopCap. <laughs> and uh, I literally went down there because a friend of mine was working there and she said like, oh, this place is great. You'll really like it. And you should just come and just visit. Yeah. And, and they're like, hey, meet this person. I, I think I was wearing uh, shorts, <laughs> like uh, like like surf shorts and a Slayer t-shirt. <laughs> and, Welcome uh, to the game. And- yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, hey, meet this person. And then like, I was like, oh, that person's really cool. And I'm walking out, like thinking we're going to go to lunch. And they're like, hey, you should meet this person. And then I'm suddenly I'm meeting like five people. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they offered me a really great opportunity because um, – I was audio director at Microsoft, and then um, this person at PopCap was like, hey, I could see you being able to do everything that you do, but only in audio. Um, you could just make an entire game. You have all the right skills. You have mm-hmm. all the right sensibilities. Like, you could just come in, and, and we'll start you off small, and then you can start working your way up as a game producer, and, and you yeah. can escape this Fun. audio thing. That nice. is, you know." And that was really what I wanted. I really wanted to just kind of grow. So... Um, I started out with like little Palm Pilot games and nice. uh, like uh, Hammerheads is one of their old games mm-hmm. where you just it's like whack a mole basically, and um, and worked my way up and and one of those steps that I was kind of on the rungs on the ladder was uh, the Clickwheel iPod, so um, it was just me and a programmer and an artist and we made uh, Peggle for the Click the old oh, Clickwheel nice. iPod. Yeah. Nice. And um, and then the, the Clickwheel iPod turned into. So you're responsible uh, <laughs> for more than you know. Yeah. Um, and then the Clickwheel iPod turned into the the iPod, right? Mm-hmm. With the like the actual like touch yeah, iPod, yeah. and then that turned into the iPhone, right? Yeah. Wow. And so suddenly I started I out here. working on the things that nobody wanted to work on, <laughs> and suddenly I'm working on the uh, we shipped the. Uh, Bejeweled 2 for the iPhone for uh, launch of the App Store. Huge. And, and suddenly I'm working on this incredibly profitable cost center for the company, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that was it. Like, that was totally cool. And by the time I got to that point, and that was probably like a three-year period of time, um, mobile was on fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and game, the game industry, the casual game industry had shifted away from games that you play on the desktop on your PC into right. mobile devices and all these mm-hmm. other portable things. And we were putting them on consoles and all this other stuff. Yeah. So when you started on the Palm Pilot games, was there that feeling of these mobile games are going to get huge or was it kind of just totally nope. had no idea that it <laughs> no, was going to blow was, up at that point? We're going to put you on the stuff that no one's going to probably see. <laughs> so if you mess it up, it's not a big deal. And you ended right? up on a direct line to yeah. what yeah. is now mainstream gaming. That's and right. all yeah. the nice. moms in the world are playing them. My mom's <laughs> playing them. Yeah. Well, right. And so suddenly She's now I, I have 80 like, years old. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because so so then I'm in this environment now where um, uh, women over the age of 35 were uh, uh, over more than the majority of the, the customers mm-hmm. and the audience, yeah. um, which is a totally just a completely different thing to think about when you're making a game. I mean, yeah. and there's so many different like and that's and so then you're not making games for women, you're just making games for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I think that that's a really important distinction and people yes. mistake me when I say that stuff because I think they get the wrong idea. But anyway, so like great things would happen like um like uh we you know, we didn't really do a lot of focus group testing or play testing mm-hmm. because we would just take the games home and just let our <laughs> families play them. Right. Wow. Yeah. Right? And um, you would get great, great feedback from just, like, people in your neighborhood or people at the bank or whatever yeah. or your mom, right? And then um, – or your grandma. 
And then um, you must have a really <laughs> great relationship with the people at your bank. Yeah, well, yeah some of them. Yeah. I'm just thinking, how many NDAs did you yeah. <laughs> carrying around in your pocket yeah. at all times? Well, you know, it was a lot easier back then because you just had the phone and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but then what was interesting too would be like uh, for the first time, because because you know I would go to a party or something, and I, if if I ran into like a 16 year old boy. They would be impressed with the fact that I worked on Fable or something. Right. But, but then now all of a sudden it's like, wait, you worked on Bejeweled? Like, <laughs> I, like I would be at the grocery store paying for food and I would open my wallet up and they would see the, the PopCat business card and it would just be the checker on the other side of yeah. the other thing. And they'd yeah. be like, oh, you work at PopCat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then all these people are in line just like, oh, come on, man. Like, we got to, I want to buy this, you know, <laughs> right. I want to buy these apples and you're like <laughs> talking about games. What's going on? And then, uh, one of my favorite ones was like I was getting my blood drawn <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm getting my blood drawn and she's just like, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, I work on games and where do you work on PopCap? Oh, PopCap. Oh, I love PopCap. And she starts talking about Bejeweled and she's like talk, trying to get informa- secret information out of me because like, it was when we had the leaderboard on, on Blitz and so oh, she's oh, like, yeah, yeah. you know, my, my mom keeps beating me and how do, how do I beat her? I think she's paying for boosts and I think that's how she's doing it. Like, can, is it true? Can you pay more and win? And like, she's just trying to get all this information I mean, and I, I look at her. I'm like, it, "Did is that enough blood?" And she's like, "Oh my god!" And she like she was taking way too much blood. Oh my god! Yeah, yes. Oh no! Yeah. The dark side of casual games. Yes, <laughs> totally, totally. Wow, I'm like, That's amazing. I'm turning white. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the cool things that you did at PopCap was you started the fourth and battery. Division, I don't know if division is the right word for it. Experiment. Experiment. Yep. Yes, with some totally awesome games came out of that experiment. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. So I, I co-conspired with a person by the name of Jeff Green, who um, was, he was like head of kind of community and he was doing a lot of PR and stuff for PopCap at the oh, time. Oh, Jeff. CG yeah. Computer Gamer World, yep. Jeff. Oh. Everybody knows Jeff Green. Yeah. <laughs> you walk around with Jeff Green and and then you become totally unimportant because everybody loves Jeff Green. <laughs> um, a little jealousy. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, Just a little. No, no. So, uh, so Jeff and I um, kind of got behind this idea. Um, it was seeded to us by um, a sort of senior management in the company who was also really cool and like mm-hmm. thought this might be a really great way. I mean, really, it started um, me and this person sitting in their office talking about sort of some of the problems, not problems, but just like challenges that PopCap were, was facing at the time. And a lot of those um, challenges were like retention, um, how you how you keep people around and happy in a situation where you have to work longer and longer on a core franchise, right? right. Mm-hmm. So um, we're having we're having great success, but like you know, new IP at PopCap didn't come around every day, and so um, so while you're looking for that next great game. And the and you're working on Bejeweled Eleven or whatever, <laughs> you know. How do you keep it fresh? How do you keep and and you want those creative juices to keep flowing because yeah. as long as that's happening, even if you're working on Bejeweled Eleven, you're gonna have great new ideas for Bejeweled Eleven. If as long as you're like inspired, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and so we thought, well, we could we could we could come up with a program that would um keep people get people into a, a quicker iteration cycle too like games are taking longer and longer and longer than we were used to them taking mm-hmm. and so let's like train muscle memory and get people used to working faster and yeah. iterating faster and throwing things out faster let's um make it fun so people mm-hmm. have an, a reason to stick around and be engaged and be interested and then 
let's look for a new talent within the company. Mm -hmm. So like maybe there's some secret talent hidden in accounting or hidden in like HR (laughs) or whatever. Like how would we find that? So we put this thing together where we had, it was called Pop Camp. And Mm -hmm. it was like a week where we would take the entire studio offline and um, we would have like this big game jam. Right. Mm -hmm. And people would just kind of there was a little bit of a green light process where you had to pitch your idea and you had to build your team organically and walk around and say, like, I need a producer. I need an artist or whatever. And this was a great time for somebody in accounting to say, like, I always wanted to try being a producer. Can I be the producer on your project? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so they would assemble these teams and they would have a week to work on their game. And then at the end, there would be like a little kind of a game uh, party where everybody would bring their games and we would play each other's games. And, oh, this is great. And. And it was super fun, and we just get pizza, and it was great. (laughs) So we did that, um, and uh, a game came out of one of those called Unpleasant Horse. Yes. And and there were issues, right? It was like, this game is not the typical PopCap game. There's like a little horse that gets, if you fail, it goes into these meat grinders. Yes. We don't want, like, we don't want the (laughs) bejeweled audience to accidentally get a hold of this and show it to their kids. Like, how how do we deal with this? Well, let's come up with our own little label that we'll put on it. And... um, so it's just sort of like this organic kind of thing that, that started to grow and grow and grow. And so I have two really great sort of anecdotes that came out of this. We only released three games. Um, we released Unpleasant Horse, we released Candy Train, and we released um, uh, Allied Star Police. And so uh, what was interesting uh, was that for Candy Train, Candy Train was a game that was on our website for a long time. Mm. And we took it down and people – were pretty vocal about the disappearance of Candy Train. <laughs> and, um, which is funny because it's a small little game and you're just sort of like yeah. keeping the train on the tracks. And, um, very but, challenging though. That's yeah. Like, coming back. It's very See, challenging. You were, you were on there, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. What are you do with Candy, Candy Train? train. <laughs> My daughter has tried to play Candy Train and I'm just like, no, honey. You're not no. ready for that yet. She doesn't really care though. She just like, like switching the trade tracks and like Aww. the train crashes and that's funny. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's colorful and it makes yeah. sense. So um, this uh, a woman who was working in this relatively like you know uh, sort of utilitarian part of the company. She was building um, DRM wrappers for oh, for yeah. our PC games. Yeah, um, and she had been trying wait, trying. Wait, wait. <laughs> Definition required. Yes. Oh, it's uh, digital rights management. So, like, oh. soft copy protection. Okay. Yes. The thing that everybody loves. And <laughs> so, what so, was the other acronym? DRM for what? For like, the computer games? PC games? Or, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, personal computer. <laughs> no, you used another acronym. Um, I am the acronym police. I don't like them either. I don't like them. Either. Please, please catch me. Okay. I, I appreciate that. So then, um, so she, um, she was like, "Hey," uh, she came to me and she said, because she had been trying to get into the game studio, and it was sort of a boys' club, and she had mm. been getting all these kind of. BS uh, yeah. responses. You want me <laughs> to elaborate you. on that one? No, 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 no. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, um, she was like, "Can I take um, Candy Train?" And uh, my uh, her boyfriend at the time was in QA. It was a, a tester. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, uh, QA stands for Quality Assurance. <laughs> yeah. QA stands for Tester. <laughs> and so uh, he he wants to be a producer. So uh, he'll be the producer. And then I'm going to take this web game and I'm going to make it into an iOS game. Mm. Is that okay? Like, will fourth and battery basically like sanction and be yeah. the, the jumping off point for this? And I was like, absolutely. This is great. This is a great idea. We yeah. need it. We need another game. This is totally great. This is exactly what this is for. 
So, um, you know, it took a while, like it took like three or four months and they were doing it at nights and weekends on their own time. It wasn't interfering wow. with their, with their day jobs. And I was just getting them resources and I was really like not, not involved other than just being like a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And if they needed something then I would get it for them. And, and there were a couple of occasions where like they just needed me to tell their boss, like, can you just give them like a, a day you know, can you let them take Friday to just do this or something like that? It was really, really not much. And then, um, so they power through it and they finished it and we got the, we got it into QA and everything like that. And we released it under fourth and battery. Yeah. And it was a huge success. And the day that the game came out, um, I hope it's okay that I use her first name anyway. Sophia <laughs> was standing at my desk and she was just like, like kind of, like j- bouncing up and down, <laughs> but crying and just oh. like so happy yeah. that this had happened and this game had come out. And um, and that for me was just like complete validation for this thing. Mm-hmm. I was just yes. like, this is exactly why I put any effort into this whatsoever. That's so good. And then yeah. she she ended up getting a job in the game studio nice. as a result. They're like, oh, well, you, you you obviously earned your way and you did this thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, so check, right? It was yeah. just yeah. like a way for somebody to um, elevate their own game by making a game, and yes. I thought that was awesome. And then the 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 other one, which is a short shorter story though, is just that um, we got a uh, we got a call from the Make a Wish Foundation, mm-hmm. and they said there's we have a kid and he wants to make a game and he's been turned down by all the other oh, area wow. game companies, yeah. and um, and I was just like, well, that's great because. If they hadn't turned him down, then he wouldn't be standing here with us right now. Right, right? Like, yeah. This is awesome. This is perfect. So um, we brought him in. His name is Owen Weinert. And um, he came in and he, he – I, I sort of set up this sort of like a game development theater where I got like all of this sort of pop cap chiefs to sit around a big giant table. And he was going to come in and he was going to give us a presentation. And I was expecting to have to basically like prop him up and crutch him through this whole experience. <laughs> uh-huh. And, you know, he comes in and he just basically shut down the entire room with like this amazing presentation. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> And answered all the questions, soup to nuts, had the whole thing figured out, wow. but was really succinct about it. It didn't take him very long, and he was just like, bam, 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 this is the game I want to make. Was this something he had worked on with you before, or just nope. something he worked on this on his Absolutely, own? Oh, all wow. by himself. Wow. Came in, totally knocked it out. People were just kind of <laughs> stunned. <Yeah. laughs> and um, and then we, we, of course, greenlit the project, yeah. uh, worked with him for a couple months. We It was the longest time period that we ever worked on a, a fourth and battery game. Mm-hmm. Um, and we released the game and, and, uh, you know, while we were working with them, he was just sort of so great to work with and so, um, totally, uh, present, but not only, not only that, he, like, he knew what he was doing, um, and it was like this innate thing for him. Like, he just very, very, like, without even thinking about it, he was like, look, those characters, they're in space, you need to put helmets on them, like, there's no atmosphere, you know, like, almost like... Dummies, you know, like, (laughs) and it was, we're like, oh, of course, right. So, thank you. So, he was doing the job that many of us have like strived to do well for very many years in our careers. He was doing it really well right out of the gate. We made this game and um, we threw a party for him. And he brought all his friends, we got a limo and some pizzas, and we brought all his friends in. And um, he sat down for the first time to play the finished game. And I was very interested in this moment because this is like kind of the, um, the 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 uh you know the proof of whether or not we did a good job mm-hmm. like if if he sits down and plays the game and i see in his eyes like 
You know, he's <laughs> right. he's good. He's a good kid. He wouldn't probably punk us out or say <laughs> it wasn't good. But I could, I, I can tell, right? Yeah. And he sits there and he's playing the game, and the best sort of validation of what we had done was that he went through the whole game, sat down, he played through the whole game, and and won it his first time, and was just like, that's exactly what I expected, right? Nice. And oh, so, nice. So it was great. And his parents were telling us the whole time, you know, like. He's going through a really hard time. He, his treatments aren't very – he's really uncomfortable mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. But he's like, this is the thing. It's the only time we see him smiling. And so wow. that was really great. And another really uh, awesome byproduct yeah. of this program um, yeah. that, mm-hmm. that I think – and then once, once we had done it for a while, we were getting calls from Blizzard. We were getting calls from all of these other game companies mm-hmm. saying, like, how did you do this? What can you tell us about this program? Mm-hmm. And then we started to hear stories about other people instituting similar things. Wow. Yeah. yeah Hearthstone actually came from a very small team within Blizzard. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I love Hearthstone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good game. Um, yeah. Um, Does so, PopCap still do that, do you know? Nope. Uh, <laughs> unfortunate. Oh, too bad. But now you're going to have Microsoft do it, right? It's a good legacy. <laughs> It's funny because the concept has sort of um, permeated the industry, mm-hmm. and I feel like I feel like kind of like my work is done here. Like, yeah. <laughs> like people do it. I think um, uh, there's there, but there's definitely room for more of it. And I think that what's interesting to me is that the idea of um, sort of a cultural uh, people talk about organizational development. Mm-hmm. A lot, but they never really talk about it from, or rarely talk about it from from the aspect of like how you how you develop the culture of that organization, mm, right. how you make that culture healthy, and how mm-hmm. how important a healthy culture is to the overall health of your company. Right. Yeah. And um, so what was interesting is that there were many times, and there still are conversations about this when you talk to people who were around at that time. Um, there's, you know, not everybody thought it was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Not everybody thought fourth and battery yeah. was awesome. Like, yeah. Im- imagine if you're the person who is looking at the ledger and you're like, you're going to take the entire game studio off for an enti- offline <laughs> for an entire week. Yeah, that's yeah. super expensive. Yeah, how many man hours is that? Yeah. Right, and yeah. and you're also you're talking you're gonna like the whole point of this is that you want to take my like critical path superstar developer person on this game that generates all this revenue and you want to put them on this untested idea that we don't even know is going to yeah, go anywhere. Right, yeah. So I understand all that. Yeah. Um, I, but I think that the the what we proved with 4th and Battery, and unfortunately some people still don't get it, is that if you invest in your culture in that way, and it doesn't have to be exactly in that way, it could be in mm-hmm. another way, but, yeah. it, but if, you, if you look at those same sort of values and you, and you invest in those values – um, the the everything else will come along with it. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think there's a lot of value also in for creative people taking all the limits off and giving them that short amount of time to just do something completely off the cuff that is just purely whatever their vision is, without thinking of all the. All, all the planning that has to go into creating a product that really needs to be solid, that needs to be marketable, that needs to like go out the door. There's like, I mean, that's the concept behind National Novel Writing Month is you sit down and you write this book. You don't worry about making mistakes. You yeah. just put something out there because writing is practice. Yes. And I think it's the same with game design where as long as you're doing it and practicing and maybe you just for that week 
get rid of the fear of trying yes. something new and trying yeah. something risky. You can create something really good. You can also create a mess, but you know, you're still yeah. learning something. Definitely. I did NaNoWriMo. Yeah. Well, I've tried to do it many times, <laughs> but I actually completed I it once and it was like the best feeling in the world. It that feels I, really yeah, good. That I yeah. was able to accomplish that. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah. I think you see some of the most successful game companies too, like Valve or companies in general, like Penny Arcade mm-hmm. will have an atmosphere like that where you feel like they really do take the time to, let people be creative and, and make know, mistakes. Try different, yeah. make mistakes. Try different ways of working together. And um, yeah. but good for you for doing it first. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was first. And <laughs> what one other really sort of important point too that that you you all just made me think about is when you when you disconnect that activity, that creative activity from um, the revenue potential mm-hmm. question, then you you do free up. A lot, yeah, like because right, yeah. it is a business, and this this is the thing that, w- as somebody who was sort of riding on the um, kind of leadership side of this fourth and battery program, it was like I had to definitely placate the the side of the argument and the side of the company that was like, "Hey, we are still running a business here." Yeah, because I understand that, and I totally un- I agree. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't do this cultural development stuff to the detriment of your bottom line, yeah. right? Right, it has to be affordable. Um, and the value needs to be realized in some way. It can't just be this soft value that you have to just hope is there or that you <laughs> – if you close your eyes and like, <laughs> say om three times, yeah. you know, it, it emerges. But um, so, so it's difficult and, and there is there's a reality to it. But if you can somehow um, isolate your, um, your culture for a minute from the need to make money – Mm-hmm. Yeah. They will the, the the flavor of creativity changes drastically. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Absolutely. These have been great stories. Yeah. So we know Matthew makes games. What have you been playing recently? Okay. So <laughs> I ride the um, Microsoft corporate transport for an hour or a day, uh, two oh, hours a day. Yes. I've definitely heard of the Microsoft corporate transport. Yeah, it's Absolutely. wonderful. It's, it's wonderful. I, yeah, it's a lifesaver. But um, so I spend a lot of time on my 3DS. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and I've been, you know, it's weird. So um, when the 3DS first came out. Mm-hmm. I was the most excited about the NFC Street Pass stuff. Mm. To me, that was like the mm. innovative feature. I didn't care about th- the 3D. I didn't care about anything else. I was just like, wait, if I'm walking around and I walk near somebody, <laughs> yeah. then we exchange information. And then later, it's like a little gift. Like I open it up and I oh, there's people in there. And yeah. Like <laughs> that is... So that was really exciting to me in a we- in a way that made me feel weird because nobody else cared for like a long uh, time. Yeah. And um and what's even weirder is it's still totally like the primary activity for me on my 3DS. Mm. So like I play those games that those Street Pass games the, in the Me Plaza uh-huh. um all the time and it's there's no reason for me to be still playing them. <laughs> But I just I'm like oh, well I have I, yeah. I have ten yeah. street passes and I yeah. have to like I have to go through this process and um, <laughs> they finally came up with a way to kind of stash the games um, that you've already played and just kind of put them in a folder basically and yeah. so I start, just started doing that but so anyway I spent a lot of time playing those pointless games <laughs> that give me hats yeah um, what about what about you guys oh, yeah. oh gosh what have I been playing lately okay last week I played Life is Strange I wow. 
Your cat, cat game. The cat game. Where yes. you get free stuff as well. It's right. all Hearthstone and the cat game. <laughs> um, I didn't play much except for Peggle. Thank you very much. <laughs> it, it's been it's been a week and a half of living. So I did buy some plants, though. I did some gardening in real life. So that's wow. we could that's... call it Plants vs. Zombies, where right. I'm the zombie. You know, there's, <laughs> right, a, there's yeah. a flower town is one of the Uh-oh. games on the street street pass so you grow flowers oh, oh, don't get her started no <laughs> i yeah. love i i want a a 3ds just so that when i'm at conventions i can open it up and be like hundreds of street passes yeah <laughs> score yeah so i've actually played more than hearthstone this week <gasps> i know it's a shocker for everybody um I played some more Dragon Age Inquisition because I have, you know, Monday is my free day when my daughter is not with me and I'm not working. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've just gotten just past the point where the world basically opens up when you've gone through, like, the the required nice. quest things. And then you've got all these places that you can go. So Too many places. Yeah. But what I like about this one is that, you know, it lists all the places on the uh, in the journal screen. And you can just toggle them off or on. And it shows you all the quests mm. in each place. So it's really easy to oh, know nice. whether or not you've done everything. Yeah. So, which makes it – I know the first Dragon Age, my husband, like, he still talks about this. It was like there was some side quests in this one town and he was like, oh, okay, I'll do that later. And so he left and went. And then the town like gets destroyed <gasps> before you have a chance to go back and do that. Um, yeah, I don't remember what the name of the town was. But yeah, that definitely happened to him. And he's just like, what? That's always the danger in games. Yeah. I, I find that so funny. Every time you boot up a game, it's like, oh God, please don't let me go the right way yes. at first. Yeah. I want to go the wrong way. I want to finish everything else and then I'll move on the right way. Yeah. So that's where I am <laughs> right now. But like I've just started playing. Usually I find that my patience just goes out the window and I'm like, yeah. okay, I just need to finish this thing already. And then, mm-hmm. um, But I also played and finished Device 6, oh. which is a Samogo game. Awesome. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. You finished that? Don't describe I it. Yeah. I've heard wow. that you shouldn't describe it because of spoilers. Well, I mean, genre ways, <laughs> it's, really, it's really hard to classify. It's yeah. sort of point-and-click adventure. It's sort of interactive novel. It's It's got a lot of weird things mm-hmm. going on for it. But it was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, the puzzles were really fun to figure out and solve, which can't be said for a lot of those types yeah. of games. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Samoko is a very cool – they're a Swedish developer, and they've just done some amazing things with mobile yeah. games. They did um, The Sailor's mm-hmm. Dream, which Courtney absolutely loves, and I think you loved yeah, it too. Yeah, it was awesome. It's a yeah. good game. Yeah. And Device 6 and um, – Your Walk. Yeah. Your Walk. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, Courtney's been a fangirl of theirs yeah. for a while, but I am now too. Like, I can't wait to see what they do yeah. next because their stuff is so creative mm-hmm. and just really, really cool. Yeah. So, Great. Linda, your turn. I went out and bought myself an iPad. I, hey. I, I've always been a very um, Microsoft Microsoft centric person, <laughs> which um, is not why Matthew is on today, by the way. No, no. <laughs> um, when does our check from Microsoft get here? Yeah. <laughs> that might be. I, I have like five bucks. Uh, let me be clear. That was a joke. Yeah. It was a joke. I love Microsoft. Microsoft's been good to me. And I have my Xbox and all that stuff. Um, and I've had a little trouble kind of relating to Apple products maybe over the years. But I bought an iPad and it's great. I and love good, the you know, iPad. It's a wonderful. Yeah, you can't say yes. too many bad things about the iPad. So I downloaded Revolution 60. Nice. Cool. And I've been playing that. That's really fun. And interesting. It's the, the, the it's an adventure game sort of role with playing, role playing mm-hmm, game yeah. with um, 
uh, all female, cast. all female characters. Yeah. Right. Thing. My favorite thing about Revolution sixty is just the combat system. I've never had a combat it's system that feels so good on yeah. a touchscreen before. It's awesome. Yeah. You can yeah. tell that the, that they totally made it just for mobile. Yeah, like it right. Totally yeah. works that way. And Even though it's out on PC now too, but. Yeah. Well, she's putting it out on PC. Yes, um, yes. It has not come out yet. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, it's interesting the yeah. different varieties of attacks and mm-hmm. things. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. really cool. That it was almost one of the... turns it into a rhythm game, but not right. quite. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. That's one of the things that was most impressive to me Yeah, was that, that combat system, yeah. sure. which was really cool. And I tried to play a little Hearthstone. I, you know, I, played, <laughs> I played against the, um, the computer. The, the computer. Yeah. I won two games. Yay. Um, and then the third one, I was like, what? I don't even know what I'm doing here. I, I need I need that tutorial that you promised me. Yeah. Yeah. I found that There's too. cards. You play them. Stuff happens. I don't know. That's kind of yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah. You, kinda, you nailed it. That's it. I, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't tell what I need to do to make things come out the way I want them to come out. Yeah, that's the way yeah. I was too at first. It's like, yeah. I, I, you know, I never played like magic or anything like that. So yeah. I really wasn't familiar with the whole card game battling type thing. But like takes like, a while. It was fun enough that I stuck with it. Like yeah. I was really enjoying it. And a lot of that has to do with the UI. Like right, you were saying the graphics. It's, the it's music, really yeah. kind of really cool to like throw your minion yeah, and they're they so slam heavy. down on yeah. the yeah, on the field and yeah, it's super cool. With but, those tutorial yeah. matches, there were definitely like I I would hit a wall and then I'd go away for a while. But every time I came back, it'd be like oh, it it all opens up for me now. I see the truth. I see the way I have to yeah. go. So yeah, you have to have faith. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's yeah. even you know there's still um you know even you could be the most skilled person with the best deck, but there's still a little bit of chance in there because you're not always going to get right. the right cards at the right yeah. time right. in your draw. So it breaks all the conventional rules of. Sort of like uh, bringing people in the easy way and like letting people win over and over again is sort of the casual game, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, methodology yeah. for building a broad audience, especially when it's free to play. You want to yeah. have like as many people playing as possible right. and, and get them engaged and then start to make it harder and not have too many barriers of entry. Um, I, I think what's interesting about Hearthstone is that, you know, y- like I, I totally lost like my first few yeah. games and I was sort of defeated and not feeling super great about it. And then I just pushed through that. And it's weird because then that experience actually was the right one for that game. Like that's I, right. I needed to lose a bunch of times. And what's interesting too is that every time an expansion comes out, it's the same thing again. It's like I, I lose a bunch. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, and, with these new cards. Like you try to throw yeah. them in your deck and you're like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, but I think, you know, the kind of hard, not necessarily hard, but the tutorial kind of being like completely brutal, in so to speak, <laughs> on you, prepares you for ranked mode. Like absolutely prepares you yeah. for what it's like to play against other Hearthstone players. So it's completely necessary to do that. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> All right. And um, that'll be the end of our Hearthstone conversation. Yes, we week. won't go on for 15 <laughs> minutes like we did uh, last week. Which you didn't hear because we cut it. But yep. we'll, we'll be talking about it when we do a Let's Play. Because I told Simone to cut it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, last week, I, I apologize. Chuck V sent us a letter and I forgot to print it out and read it. I forgot to print it out this week too, but Courtney, bless your heart, printed it for me <laughs> and ran it down here. So Chuck V wrote to us and he said he's recently purchased The Counting Kingdom, which is a game that we love. Um, for his daughter. Fun so trivia about that. Math. Jenna Hofstein, who made The Counting Kingdom, did the combat system for Revolution 60. 
Oh, I yeah. knew her name yeah. sounds familiar. She's oh, going to be on a uh, she's going to be a guest on here uh, in a few weeks. So we're really excited. She's great to be talking about that. So the question that Chuck had is, he said he was wondering if we had any other games to recommend that could help children learn different tops, topics such as language, music, etc. Mm. We were talking about this a little bit on the we podcast were. where Curtis was. There's a really cool game coming out that I'm super excited to try. It's called Ever Jane. It is an MMO set in the world of Jane Austen where you um, you kind of uh, cooperatively with like another person, you sort of mm-hmm. act out these these scripts. So, you know, you're given a setup like you're two people in love and you have to try to keep it from your parents or, you know, that type of thing. So yeah. it sounds really interesting. I'm looking forward to playing that. But sort of like users creating their own it stories yes. as they go through the game. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine that that will make the reading of Jane Austen novels in high school a little more yes. palatable <laughs> to most people. Um, so Matthew, do you have any suggestions in that realm? Hmm, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I, so it's interesting. Like, is do you interpret the question as like um, a game that teaches kids about the subject matter, or actually because because music um, is something that is very very. Uh, it's a big part of my household. Mm-hmm. And um, when my son Hank was very, very young, uh, we still had all the plastic instruments out. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think, yeah. you know, he was probably four when he could get uh, 90% on medium in rock band on drums on like that's impressive. Deep Purple wow. Highway Star, you know. Wow. wow. And it was, what was crazy was that, you know, I would just come down there and he would he figured out the menu and he could find the songs, he boo 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 and I would just hear like ka-ching, that UI ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> and it yeah, yeah. And so he was down there and he would just play through these songs. So he was getting exposed to the music, he was listening to this music right. over and over again. He was also kind of like dissecting the anatomy of music right. through the different mm-hmm. sort of notes and how they and he was sort of it's it's basically sight reading. Yeah. Um, uh, it's the same skill set that you use when you're sight reading, but you look ahead Absolutely. and sort of anticipate it coming, and then you have to hit it at the time. And then, um, and then what was interesting too was that like it transitioned really nicely into an actual drum kit, which we already had. Yeah. And so he could just basically just start playing drums. He had right. all the so muscle cool. memory and everything. Yeah, like that. that's awesome. So, Very cool. Yeah, Isn't- rock band has had a, an effect like that on me too. Even as an adult, like if I hear a song on the radio. I like I like played the bass part in rock band. I can pick <laughs> out the bass part now, which is something I never could have been able to do before. So that yeah, awesome. rock band is awesome. Yeah. Isn't there a new music game coming out? A new there's a new rock band coming new out. New rock band, right? Uh, which is going to be awesome because it's going to be backwards compatible with all your DLC. And my husband and I bought a lot of DLC yeah. for that game, yeah. so we're super excited about that. There's going to be yeah. another Guitar Hero too. Oh, good. So good. the the wave of the plastic yeah. instruments is coming back. Yes. And I remember, Simone, you did a post for Pixelkin on rhythm games. Rhythm games. Yeah, there are definitely a few that I really like. Uh, Crypt of the Necro Dancer is one that we've talked about. And actually, we have a indie awesome. pick of the week video up about that right now. Yeah. And you can... Use your own music in that, and it's basically a dungeon crawler but set to a rhythm. And you can also hook a dance pad up to it. And super cool, which I did at PAX yes. uh, a couple of years ago, I guess. And so, yeah. you know, you're just trying to like hit the combos with your feet and attack the dungeon crawly monsters. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and the monsters, like, yeah. 
kind of dance yeah, to yeah. the music. Like they've got these like things where the floor bomb. looks like a, a disco floor, like yeah. with the lights, squares lighting up and then yeah. not lighting up. It's, yeah, it's, it's super a cool. lot of fun. We'll put a bunch of links in the post yeah. for the podcast. Yes, absolutely. When it comes to language, I like Duolingo a lot. Um, Courtney's been doing the Swedish lessons and I guess she has encountered like a few incorrect things in that but uh when i was leave doing it to courtney i know <laughs> perfectionist courtney <laughs> i was brushing up on my french with duolingo and i found it to be pretty adequate i think it's hard to start though because it's very much uh it's based on memorization first yes. of all um but then also it kind of it doesn't really tell you what you're doing wrong it has you like dragging words to form a sentence yeah um which I like a lot for reviewing, and right now they have a lot of uh, – mostly they focus on European languages. I think they have French, Spanish, Italian, German, and Swedish. Um, they actually have a lot more languages if you're, like, coming from not being an English speaker. Like, they have English for Vietnamese speakers. They have yeah. Italian for Vietnamese speakers, things like that, um, which I think is really interesting. So the yeah. other thing – I'm not – I don't know how old his daughters are, but actually uh, the Endless Alphabet, Endless right. Reader Games, yes. good for teaching letter recognition mm-hmm. and phonics and actually I think helping in reading a little bit. Mm-hmm. But they have Endless Spanish out now. So it's the same deal as Endless Reader except for it's Spanish, which also makes me wonder how many more languages they've got up their sleeve that they can do this a for. a lot. I mean, that's yeah. the time to start learning a language Exactly. super young. Right. Yeah. So yeah. um, so I think that that might be a cool one, too. If your daughters are too old for that, just disregard that. Now, how does it um, – with the Spanish, does it, like, give her the English equivalent and the Spanish equivalent? Or is yes, it just... there, are, there are two options. You can do okay. full immersion where you just get the Spanish or you can get the Spanish with the English translation. Okay. So it will say the word and then it will say the English translation so for cool. you. Yes, nice. it's very cool. And you spell the word. Right? Yes. Well, you start, like, the – you know, the word is on your screen. Lots of little monsters come run by and they just scatter the letters everywhere and you have to drag them back to the appropriate spot. Mm-hmm. You can still see the outline of the word. And then a little bug grabs the word and pulls back and you have a whole sentence. Monsters run by again and they scatter a couple other sight words. Yeah. Um, and you have to put all the words together. And then once you've done that, then you get this cute little animation, <laughs> the monsters, which is completely adorable, mm-hmm. um, which is about kind of what the sentence said. So... Yeah. Sounds about like my level of Spanish. That's where I should start. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, there's another app um, that I use called Learn Korean in a Month, I think it's called. And that is purely picture based. And it, it was actually free, uh, but it just it has you it gives you sentences and then you identify the picture that corresponds with that sentence. And that is very challenging. Cool. But it's it's really I think it's one of the best ways to learn is just like identifying sounds that you might not be familiar with and relating them to images that you see so right if language is your jam and that's (laughs) something that you want to learn there's actually this is more of just sort of like a hack but there's also um many 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 games and this is obviously more prevalent in pc but many games have been localized in many languages yes Ah. so you can just play any or most games or lots of games in just different languages if you just go into the settings and just change the language right yeah (laughs) and um and then there's also captioning systems so you can in a lot, and this was sort of the the juxtaposition of my my night talk too. But like the the um, 
if you if you can get the proper sort of combination of English subtitles and the foreign language yeah. Yeah. actual content playing, then you can play that game and just sort of passively learn a language. That's that what I yeah. did with Assassin's Creed Unity because it, for some reason they all had English accents despite the fact that they're French. How dare they? I was offended. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My biggest problem with Unity. <laughs> so I hope that answers your question, Chuck, and thanks for sending it in. Thanks, We're going to wrap it up. Uh, Matthew, thanks so much for being here. It was super fun. Thank you yeah, for inviting that me. That was thanks. awesome. So um, please subscribe to us on iTunes or RSS if you hate Apple. That's fine, too. Ah. Um, if you're on <laughs> iTunes, please review us. Absolutely. That helps us out a lot. Um, if you have questions, comments, or feedback, you can send those to hello at pixelkin.org. You can find us on Facebook, Pixelkin, and on Twitter at pixelkin underscore org, as well as gaming with moms so don't forget about that twitter account send either. questions yes send questions we like to answer questions so um thanks so much for listening and we'll be back with you next week bye This podcast was recorded in the studios of the Jack Straw Cultural Center in Seattle, Washington.